0: It is great to have you here. It's great to be able to worship God and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If this is the last um, sermon in this series, Rise Up. And and, and as I've been telling you, I've been so creative. I had Rise Up Part 1, Rise Up Part 2, Rise Up Part 3. Well, we're Rise Up Part 7. But, but if I really would give this a... A, a title. It would be the impossible assignment. So so before we get into Matthew, the 27th chapter and the 28th verse, you know, we all have different impossible assignments that there are within our lives. And And, and some of you, I know impossible assignment is you just can't drive by Starbucks. And you just got to go stop in there and get your latte, or 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 maybe one of you guys. You can't just drive by a hardware store knowing that there's a sale going on there and there's a toll that you need. You just got to stop by to get it. And 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 then during this pandemic, the impossible assignment is is not just to stay the same weight, but to not gain weight. Let alone lose weight during the pandemic. It's, I love Arlene got someone who sent her a, a message or something through Facebook and, and, and it showed a picture of this guy and his red little chubby guy. And he says, Before I go through this impossible assignment of this hard journey of losing weight, does anybody think I look good chubby? <laughs> Man, he's finding a loophole somewhere, isn't he? <laughs> But I also know that every one of us at times, we face issues that are rather challenging, aren't they? that That almost seems like impossible assignments in our lives. Well, I want us to go to an impossible assignment of what these guards had to do to keep Jesus in the grave in Matthew the twenty seventh chapter and and I'm I make a few comments, and I'm going to preach for an hour and a half, two, three hours, and then we'll go home, okay. And I woke some of you up that night. It won't be that long. But let's go to Matthew 27, verse 57. And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked him for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. I find this rather um, intriguing because the disciples are hiding because they're so fearful that they could be crucified as well as associates with Jesus. And this disciple of Christ goes to the man who washed his hands of the whole ordeal and says, go ahead, crucify him. Now he asks for the body of Jesus. And and this is funeral day. Now, come with me to verse 59. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in um, clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, in which he had cut it into a rock. Now, when I say that, cut into a rock, it was not a grave. It was a cave. Arlene and I, about 40-some years ago, had the privilege to go to Israel. And, and we went to where the tomb was, and, and on on the tomb there's a door, and on the door there's a sign that says, "He is not here. He is risen," and it's and it's facing outward. So so there was a big crowd of people there, but they wanted to take a picture of of that of that sign that that He is not here. He is risen. So they they all went out and shut the door. And your lunatic pastor, I stayed inside no one else was there. And wow, did I celebrate (laughs) because it was empty. And I celebrate that this very day. Now listen, and then they, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of that tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite of the tomb. And the next day, That is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. See, the day of preparation is is a tradition with with the Jews on that Friday, that from 3 to 6 o'clock in the evening. Now, when we look at verse 62, here is the Pharisees that are meeting with Pilate the day after, that is on that Saturday, on the Sabbath. They are breaking their own law. And I find it intriguing too, but why are they doing this? I mean, they they, they ought to be beating their chest and saying, we did it. We got rid of that scoundrel. We crucified him. But they were were afraid that that something else would happen. So so they gathered together (coughs) with some of the, well, with Pilate. Now, just go to verse 63, and he said, Sir, we remember how the imposter said, hmm, While he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Can I say something, that they remembered that? I want you to know that these unbelievers, they remembered what Jesus said. So sometimes you think that your words are being spoken into the wind. No one's paying attention to you. But I want you to know that people are listening, even those who you feel that may not come in alignment of of what you believe as a follower of Christ. But when you make a declaration of his word, but do it in love do it in compassion that that compassion that love is the love that you have for people the same love that Christ had from that is willing to go to the cross for them and that compassion is the compassion that you have and that same love that God has for you that he loved you and you can sense that love and that compassion share that because they're listening they're paying attention. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure unto the third day, lest the disciples would go and steal him away and tell the people. He was risen from the dead, and that the last fraud will be worse than the first. Peter said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go and make it secure as you can. What he's saying, do what you have to do get one, two, get as many as you need to do. Make sure that that grave is secured. And so in verse 66, it says this, so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing this stone and setting a guard. Hmm. Can, can I make a comment here before we get into chapter 28? Dead men don't need a guard. Well, well, they didn't need to have the guards there to keep Jesus in the grave. They wanted to have a guard that would keep the disciples from getting into the grave. And and I really find that rather intriguing, too, because why would they be afraid of the disciples? Because the disciples were already. They were hiding. It's not like they're going to band together and come against the Roman Empire that we're going to, you know, get rid of those guards and we're going to steal the body of Christ. They were hiding. So there had to be some anxiety with these people that, well, we don't believe it, but we kind of believe it, but we don't believe it. So they set some guards out there. So let's go to verse 1 and verse chapter 28 from the Amy Standard Version. And after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of that week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they go to see Jesus in the grave. The authorities have guards there because they want to keep Jesus in the grave. I find it intriguing. This probably is the first time where, where the Roman Empire and, and the followers of Christ came in agreement. You know, he was in the grave. Now, there's something I'm going to talk to you about very quickly, and there are three things about I want to speak of, and the first thing is about the miracle of Easter. It was magnificent. And in verse 6, it tells us that when the angel said, he is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Now, Jesus died. He was dead. He gave up the ghost. The Bible says when he said it was finished, he yielded his spirit to the Father. The soldiers said he was dead. In fact, the soldiers believed that he was dead so much is that they didn't even break his legs. What they would do, because obviously they didn't want to stay there too long, and, and they may have something to do that day. So, so those who were being hanging on the cross, what they would do, they would quicken the dying process so they couldn't hold themselves up to breathe because the lungs are filling up. So what they did is that they would break the legs of those being crucified. They didn't even do that to Jesus because they knew he was already dead. The authorities said he was dead. His friends said he was dead when they took him off the cross to take him to the grave. Jesus was dead. He wasn't unconscious. He wasn't sick. He was dead. It's it's like a story that that a father um, he, he loved his loved his son and he wanted to go hunting. You know, rawr, you know, he wanted to go hunting with his son and he wanted to take him duck hunting because he's really good in shooting the ducks. And so so he took his son out in these high weeds, and he had his duck horn, and he had his big gun, and, and he blew that duck horn. And all of a sudden, the ducks rose up and started flying over, and he pointed that big rifle up in the sky, and bam, smoke flew everywhere from that thing. He was so sure that he got one of those ducks because he was so good at it. He was so proud of what he was doing. He wanted his son to see his expertise. And when all the smoke went away, <laughs> all the ducks were flying away. So the, so the dad, he didn't want to give in to that. And he looked at his son and said, son, we're good at that. There goes some dead ducks. Well, I'm telling you something. Jesus wasn't alive. He was dead in the grave. His friends said he was dead. His enemies said he was dead. The authorities said he was dead. And he said it because when he gave up, the spirit. So what I want you to understand that on Friday, there was a funeral. And interesting, though, a little later, on that Sunday morning, is is that a messenger came. He was an angel. Now, I I could imagine, though, three days prior to that, that angelic hosts, they were watching all this that was going on. Now, they had, I mean, they're pretty powerful. In the book of Revelation, it says one angel, a angel, not a, not a, a particular angel, not a high-ranking angel, a angel comes and binds Satan for a 1,000 years. <laughs> That's pretty, you know, strong dude. And so they're saying, you know, I'm sure when Jesus was being crucified, they're saying, let us go. We're going to teach them a lesson. This is someone they worshiped. They've been with him in heaven before he came to earth. They loved him dearly. Let us loose. And God says, not yet. And so so here's here's these angels now. Three days later, here's what I imagine in my mind. is God the Father comes, he goes, okay, it's time. Let's go get him. And he goes, who wants to go? <laughs> you know, there's thousands of times, thousands of thousands. Me, 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 send me, 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 send me. Because no one's, it's just, you know, any, any angel. It's just, give me an angel. Send me. So this angel comes. And here's and what does this this angel look like? The Bible says, and his appearance was like lightning in his garment as white as snow. I think his garment was white as snow. Is that because, well, he was in the presence of Almighty God. It's like when Moses came off of the mountain is that he had to put a veil over his face. There was such a shine and glow being in the presence of an Almighty God. And, and that lightning, you know. Again, you know, here's my mind thinking: is that they couldn't wait any longer, and, and and the Bible says they descended, and I think descended is is well little underspoken because I think he was like a bolt of lightning, and 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 and, and when that angel hit the ground, wham! Well, well verse two says this. And behold, a severe earthquake occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone. And all things, he sat on it. Why, why would he just sit on it? The two Marys, they came, and, and I'm sure they were wondering, why, why in the world how how are we going to get in there? I mean, they came, they wanted to prepare Christ with the oils and, and all that and, and they can't roll a stone away. There's a guard that's sealed uh, wondering how they're going to do that. But but that stone separated them from the very presence of a God in which they love so dearly. That stone was a problem. And Knowing that that stone was a problem is that that angel rolled it away and he sat on it and he says, there's no problem anymore. I don't know if he was standing on it, sitting on it in, in a way, or it's just, Phew, boy, that was a long travel, or I'm tired, or, or that was a lot of work, or that was a heavy stone. I, 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 was, I was thinking and saying, done, did it. Task, accomplish. But but maybe, maybe that angel is also saying this. Because, you see, he's sitting on it. And that thing that separated you from Jesus, don't worry. Don't be afraid. The biggest problems in your life, the biggest trials in your life, the biggest questions in your life, the biggest barriers in your life, anything that's keeping you from Jesus, the angel said, I removed it. And I'm sitting on it. It has absolutely no authority. I, I, uh, when I, when I was in high school, I, I loved sports, you know? and I was a poor kid. You know, I didn't have all the cool clothes or shoes or anything, but I was really good at sports, and and so I ran in track, and and I loved to run. You know, I. I I used to say I ran a 420 mile. That's smoking these days in high school. And, and then I, I, I played football as a first-string quarterback, and, which I was a pre Bedonna quarterback that no one could tackle during practice, you know, kind of like that stuff, you know. But I did something else. I, I, I wrestled. That was the stupidest thing I ever did. You know, because in track, I made sure I got in the front and ran away from everyone. In football, I made sure I had guys blocking me or I ran away from them. But in wrestling, you get down on all fours. And you get this smelly, huge guy on your back, and he wraps his arms around you. And he doesn't just wrap his arms around you and say, oh, nice, Tommy. You know, he wrapped his arms around you, and he grabs, you know, he's holding tight in his claws. I think they grow their fingernails with pointers, you know, so they dig it in. And and they, they hold on. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I wasn't really good. I mean, for Pete's sake, I was always running away. And so I was always had my face in the mat. Always had this guy on top of me. Until one day I had this 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 big, ugly, smelly guy on top of me. He's always pushing my face in a mat. I, I think he kind of enjoyed it because, you know, he knew I was this quarterback and this, this, this guy that broke all types of records. He goes, you're not breaking any records with me, pal. You're going right into that mat. He's laying on top of me, and something happened. I don't know. I, I I want to think that I, I did a maneuver, you know, and I went around. I think I was so scared and sweating so much that he just slid right off of me. And somehow that I ended up on top of him. And I want you to know, man, did that feel good. I wanted to beat my chest. I wanted to say, wow, this is a great place to be. That enemy, that was separating me from any kind of victory. Now it's underneath me, and I am sitting on it. I think that angel felt that way. That thing that tried to separate God, I mean, man to God, is that he was sitting on that, that stone and saying, i took care of that you see the beauty is is that something transpired scripture tells us that was great joy for these folks well could could, could could you imagine is that i don't think i would be just jumping or dancing uh, i i think though when that happened I may have been bowing down or worshiping at the same time. And, and by the way, it's, it's when, when someone tells you sit on it, think of this. It's a whole new meeting, isn't it? And that's, that which separated me from the presence of God is now underneath me. Now, let's move to take a look at the, the second thing is that the message of Easter. The message of Easter is threefold. One, he said, Come and see. Come on, come on and look in. Come and see what I have done. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. The apostle Paul says, this, O grave, where's thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? There is no more sting. He took the sting out of sin because it has no authority or dominion over our lives. Removed that stinger. I I can remember when when I was a young teenager, I used to love to run because I was, I probably sassed everyone and ran away from them, but I loved to run. And I went, I would run through the clover leaves and, and, and running through those clover leaves, you see how many bees you could step on and kill before you get all the way through. And, And by the way, um, I didn't wear shoes or socks. You're thinking, why would you ever run through a clover field, killing as many bees as you possibly can with your bare feet? Well, it's very simple. I'm probably 13, 14, 15 years old, somewhere around that. Why wouldn't I? Because someone dared me, (laughs) And so, and, and by the way, is that when you're running through that field, you're, you don't stop until you get to the other end because you don't want to stand there in the middle of the field because then you become a beehive. So you're just running as fast as you can through it. You, you don't get one bee sting. You get two, three, four, or five, as many as you can. But you're bragging about how many you killed, not how many stung you. Until you got to the end of that field and you realize, I got some stingers on my feet and they hurt So what you do is knowing that when they sting you is that that whole stinger goes in, they can't sting you again, and it hurts until you pull it out. Then there is that relief. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, he pulled that stinger of death, that, that attack upon our soul to be able to bring harm and havoc into our lives. He yanked it out where there is no longer any harm or pain. Because it's the joy of our salvation, isn't it? Now, the second thing he says, not only come and see that that grave is empty, he's saying, now what I want you to do is go and tell. Mary Magdalene and Mary is is that when they heard this in verse 7, it says, go quickly and tell the disciples. I don't think they just sat around thinking, well, well, well okay. we're going to have lunch first. And after lunch, we'll meet with some of the family and see if it could fit in our schedule. We'll go see the disciples. They went quickly. In fact, they didn't stroll they ran to tell the disciples, and how did they run? The scripture says they ran with joy. John tells us that the disciples heard, and they were glad. Uh, that run with joy, and run, you know, that they were glad that they they heard that. You know, it's like like Peter looking over at one of the disciples. Oh. Did you hear about the report that I think Jesus rose from the dead? And then, then you know, the other disciples, oh, that, that's nice. Uh, so he's alive. And then one other said, oh, don't you say he's alive. I don't think it happened that way at all. I, I think there was some stirring. I think there was some joy. I think there was some dancing, some shouting, some yelling. I'm sure that there was some concern, too, wondering, what do we do now? What's going to happen? What we do now is, is that third thing in the Easter message tells us to fall in worship. I love it. You, you see, the beauty of this is that they they um, they didn't have to go looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for them. He came to them. He knew exactly where they were. And and the beauty of this, the thrill of it all, is that they come to realize that it gives them a second chance. Can you imagine the brokenness in Peter? Peter's the one that always would shoot off his mouth and willing that he's willing to die for him. How he felt that when he denied Christ, not once, not Christ twice, three times, in, in that, that the last thing that he probably remember in his relationship with Jesus was what he was saying, not just saying, I denied, but he was cursing that he denied him. And the last thing he probably remember what he saw is that he saw the face of Jesus in his eyes of disappointment in him. And now Peter's saying, "Oh, I get a do-over," and he had to be excited about this. I could try again, and and, and it's like with John and James. They, their their mom, I mean they she wanted the best for her boys, and they weren't denying it because they wanted to be one to be on the right side of Jesus in heaven, the other one to be on the left side of Jesus in heaven. And now they get a do-over. They get to say, I just happen to be at the feet of Jesus and and to worship him, to praise his holy name. But, but the thing is, is now, what, what do we do with this? What do I do with this do over? Can, can I tell you, it's more than a do over, it's a makeover. During this this pandemic is one thing that Arlene and I kind of enjoyed doing because I, I hate to listen to the news and, and because it's always given me is dread, horrible things. Yeah. So so I, I like to watch these. Uh, Renovations of homes. They'll take this house that looks in shambles that no one really wants to be a part of. They go in there, they tear down the walls, rip up the floors, put all this new stuff in. All of a sudden, that which once was ugly now, people bidding against because they want to live there. They want to be a part of that. There is that transformation. And I, and I kind of think people like to watch that because they, they themselves like to be a part of a transformation, not only in their homes, but, but in their lives as well. And it just feels good of what they are experiencing. Well, l- listen to this, church. He tells us in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation is come. The old has gone, and the new is here. The new is here. What What do they mean by that? How how can how can I be new? In, in, in the gospel it says that we are to be born again. And he goes, How could I be born again? How could I again come from my mother's womb? It's more than just that physical. There's a spiritual transformation that takes place. And in that true spiritual transformation, what is that? How does that happen? Well, in Second Corinthians 3, 18 says, And we all who with unvowed faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being, are being, we are being, talking present, we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That transformation, that we're being conformed into His image, into His likeness. I'm not becoming a little God. I'm taking on the character, the attributes being loving, kind, gentle, meek, all those amazing personalities of an Almighty God that is being transformed into my life into his image, I, I could remember as as a teenager that With my father being an alcoholic in those years, it was kind of tough that that I remember coming home from school one day and there's my dad laying in a front yard, laying in his own vomit because he passed out drunk. I I would want my dad to be proud of me because of my accomplishments in in sports, and I would give him my gold medals that I won in track, and he would take them and sell them for the gold and for the money so he could go drink. Going into the ministry, I had friends and colleagues that their father was a preacher, their grandfather was a preacher, their great-grandfather was a preacher. My dad was a drunk, my grandfather was a drunk, my great-grandfather was a drunk. And, and and you know we get in that self-pity stuff you know and then then i read the scripture you see it's the word church it's the word that is so important and i read that word and it's an i'm being conformed into his image i have a whole new bloodline it's the blood of christ and now I'm being conformed into that image and here's here's the best part because we think that that wow now I have this new bloodline. I have this great family that could be a part of. I'm part of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. I'm being conformed in that image. Man, can this get any better? And he's saying, oh, my friend, you haven't even touched it yet. Because the scripture says that being transformed into the image of God with ever-increasing glory. With ever, ever-increasing glory. I mean, it keeps getting better. I'm great today because I'm better than I was yesterday, but not as good as I'm going to be tomorrow. God keeps increasing that, that transformation in our lives. Yeah, it's not always easy. There's things in the past that try to creep up in our lives and to be able to tell us, you can't do this. You've done that. You've done another thing. You're never going to make it. But I remind myself, that one who's saying those things, that he has a title. It's called the father of lies. He distorts anything that is good. And he makes it evil. Evil. He wants to tell us that we can't do it, but his word says that it is an ever-increasing glory. I am improving every single day of my life that I'm becoming more like him. That is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ has done. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you listen to me church that same spirit on that third day i don't think there were just guards at that gravesite because those humans knew that on the third day they heard he may raise. I believe Satan knew as well. Personally, I don't think there was a single person on planet Earth at that moment that was sitting because every demonic force was at that grave site. They were celebrating, they were dancing, and all of a sudden there came this thundering whomp. bam, an angel showed up, ruled away that stone. God called forth His Son, Jesus Christ. He came out of that grave. The forces of hell, every evil that tried to stop that from happening was defeated. And know this, my friend, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So that Father Lies When he tries to say he can't do it, I'm not saying, you lying thief, get behind me. I want you to know I've been conformed and being conformed, transformed into that very image of God. And it's not just for today. Every day, it's ever increasing. It's getting better and better and better. And that is what Easter does.